Welcome to Swift Unwrapped, a weekly show about the Swift programming language and other Swift.org projects. My name is JP Smart, and I'm Jesse Squires. JP, does uh, does the Mongolian vowel separator count as white space? It depends on which version of Unicode you're using. <laughs> so today we're talking about strings and Michael Ilsman's uh, state of string document that he wrote up posted on the mailing list. There's a gist that we'll link to in the notes. Um, It's the state of string. It's kind of like the string manifesto 2.0 in a way. Yeah. So welcome to the string dojo. Please take your shoes off. (laughs) Uh, And we're about to get some stuff wrong talking Uh, about Unicode. Right. And Michael can correct us on Twitter. Uh, So... The Swift 4 era string manifesto laid out a lot of different concerns and considerations, uh, some philosophy, justification of why things are the way they are, and this document kind of builds on top of all of that. Yeah, with new considerations now that, um, hey, we have to plan for ABI stability and what does performance mean in in a world where uh, ABI stability needs to leave some doors open and not actually optimize things entirely away and uh, and in a way that isn't scalable in the future. And then there's also uh, a bit in this document that touches on, hey, what if we were to add some new things, some new user-facing things to Swift for Swift 5? And those uh, get pretty exciting. So the current string implementation is written in a way that it can make a lot of assumptions, optimizations that it wouldn't be able to do once the ABI is stable. Or, well, depending on what that ABI becomes you have to make these trade-offs and that means you may not be able to make these optimizations in right. the future. Yeah, and getting back to to what is ABI stability, um, ABI stability is determining uh, what doors you want to leave open uh, in order to um, change in the future or extend uh, the Swift language in the future. Because ABI stability would be trivial if no changes are ever made to the Swift standard library. Mm -hmm. Then it's just so, well, whatever ABI we have now, um, we just keep that forever. Mm -hmm. Um, ABI stability is a challenge because you want to be able to continue to make changes over time, uh, but then you don't want to make everything dynamic, everything hook into the runtime and say, uh, well, you know, go through this roundabout way to get me the implementation for X. Uh, you want to be able to say like, well, these things are still fast, but we might want to ch- like extend the language in this way in the, in the future, and therefore, let's leave some dynamic open doors there, some some available uh, bits in the bit field, so that we can add some uh, stuff that we don't need right now, but we might need later. Right, right, right. So this is where um, we definitely don't want to regress string performance in Swift 5 because we've opened these doors that we previously didn't have to account for. Uh, And so performance needs to be reevaluated now that, um, now that ABI stability is, is a concern. Right. 
one of the tricky things is uh, string comparison. So you can compose Unicode characters or code points in different ways. So you can have, let's say, characters that have accent marks. You have like the character with the accent as like a single code point, or you can have the character combined with that accent mark, uh, which is like two code points together. Um, and then there are also other ways to express these things as well. And uh, if you've read any of the posts about uh, some of the blog posts about emoji that circulate in the Swift community, you can see how that actually gets pretty complicated with like all the newer emojis that have been added. Like family is like composed of like man plus woman plus child. And then you get like the little family of four icon. Right. And the Unicode standard is constantly evolving, which means that uh, this is especially important to not burn into the language. Uh, because as we get to Swift 6, Swift 7, and Unicode 111 billion, right. uh, then we want to uh, have Swift continue to be Unicode correct. Yeah. Uh, and we see this, like, you know, all the changes in string that have, uh, that have happened from Swift 3 to 4. There's always been this idea of characters.count or like string.count in Swift 4. And like, what does that what is that count actually counting? Uh, is it counting code points or is it counting, quote, human readable characters? Um, it is the latter. But that's definitely something that, you know, w- one of the decisions here that, that had to be made. Um, and there are lots of other things with, with Unicode that we have to consider. Right. So when, when we talk about string comparison performance, for example, uh, there's a few things that can happen um, for an ABI stable string representation. Uh, so, for example, um, the you know, one one thing that needs to remain is that strings should continue to compare consistently. And uh, one optimization that can be made there is that um, because string comparison uh, is sometimes locale well yeah it's it it is generally locale dependent mm-hmm. um, then we can not worry about a uh, locale specific sorting or comparison when it comes to string comparison mm-hmm. right and this is where uh, the the platform conveniences are a better use of locale dependent mm-hmm. um, string comparisons like for example foundations localized string compare mm-hmm. so this is one optimization that that can be done another optimization is optimizing for small strings in their representation so for example um, ns string on darwin foundation uses tagged pointers to mm-hmm. um, to point to very small strings while an equivalent approach might be taken for uh, for Swift, um, where there can be a number of different small string representations that, depending on how you initialize the string, the input would be parsed and analyzed and determined, well, um, would this fit in a compact 5-bit encoding? So, for example, if you're storing a uh, 64-bit memory, memory address in hexadecimal as a string, mm-hmm. well, that's potentially a common use case that uh, you'd want to optimize for and, and store that 
in, in a five-bit uh, encoding pattern. Right. So these small strings you can just shove into the bit pattern of the string struct. Um, right. Make a bunch of assumptions such as you only need to represent uh, hex characters mm-hmm. in the string. Mm-hmm. And you can think of a number of other uh, optimizations there, uh, such as like an ASCII-only string uh, might also be useful. Right. And this is because the underlying storage of Swift string currently is uh, encoded in UTF-16. And so uh, knowing this, you can pack these bits in here in a certain way for UTF-16 or other encodings, um, which would allow you to fit more uh, in there. Right. So it's, it's special casing yeah. um, some, some optimized scenarios. Uh, the next section that Michael discusses here um, is the option for having uh, some sort of unmanaged or like unsafe string type. Uh, so perhaps you could have some sort of API, something like with unsafe code units or something like that, uh, which would uh, sort of mirror the existing uh, unsafe buffer pointer, et cetera, APIs uh, in the standard lib. Yeah, and one of the use cases for doing so is um, to uh, not participate in reference counting. So for example, if you have uh, lots of expensive string manipulation to do and um, reference counting ends up being overhead to that, mm-hmm. uh, then perhaps you could use this unsafe API to um, to avoid it. So if you can determine that the string, uh, if you can determine its lifetime and that it won't outlive where it's used, you can do this optimization. That it will outlive, that it's guaranteed to outlive its uses. Uh, yes, sorry. Yes. So it's guaranteed to stick around long enough for you to do whatever you need to do on it. Right, right. Uh, and that's also the, the small string optimization is also getting rid of this reference counting overhead as well, right? Because... Or no. I don't see why um, changing the underlying storage of the string uh, would allow it to bypass automatic uh, reference counting. I see. Right. Um, but the with unsafe set of closure APIs are e- exceptionally useful uh, regarding this because um, it means that you can only operate on the unsafe internals within a closure, and therefore you have a very clearly defined scope mm-hmm. of usage. Right, uh, and this is why you can't just arbitrarily get a pointer, say, to the unsafe internals of a type, uh, and use it from outside that unsafe closure, because there's no mechanism in Swift to say when you're actually done with it. Right, right. Yeah. So the next bit here um, it talks about performance flags, and uh, I get a sense that these are more for the internal representation uh, of string, and and these wouldn't have any externally uh, facing impacts on API or um, or functionality, it would strictly mm-hmm. just be a performance um, thing. And so a few of the flags that are uh, discussed that could go internally in the Swift in the string type are is trivially encoded, which would um, describe whether or not all the scalars that are in the string uh, represent a single code unit. Uh, in that sense, um, you don't have to perform any uh, combination operations uh, in order to, like, count the number of characters, for example. Right, right. Um, there's the is canonical flag, 
where um, whenever you have, say, like two different representations of the same character, uh, like, for example... Like we discussed earlier. Right. Yeah. Like the you with acute accent or you plus acute accent combining mark, um, those are two different representations. Well, one of those is considered the canonical representation, and therefore you don't need to iterate through the string and kind of normalize it in mm-hmm. order to perform things like, I don't know, a comparison operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the last flag that's discussed, which is, is single scalar grapheme, which is kind of similar to is trivially encoded, but not. This is where my knowledge of Unicode breaks yeah, down. Right. Uh, what is a grapheme? <laughs> <laughs> well, a grapheme could be multiple scalars, right? Like the, right. Uh, the family use case that you described earlier, where you have parent, parent, child, child. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that would not be a scalar a single scalar grapheme. Right. It'd be the, a multiple scalar grapheme. Okay. And the difference between that and is trivially encoded is that a grapheme or a character might be made up of multiple scalar code units. Or, sorry. Yeah. A scalar could be made up of multiple single code units. Yes. I right. See. So, for example, something that is trivially encoded is ASCII. Uh, something that is not trivially encoded but um, is single scalar grapheme is like smiley face emoji. Yeah. Right? And then something that uh, is not single scalar grapheme is the family emoji where you have multiple scalars in a single grapheme. Right, right. Uh, Is that also called a grapheme cluster or is that a different thing? Right. So so I, I do think that is single scalar grapheme is is synonymous with is not graphing cluster. Got it. Okay. Given cluster being yes two or more. Yes. Okay. Whew, this is exhausting to think about and talk about. Right. Right. So uh, I think there's a reason why this one be necessarily <laughs> exposed as right. public APIs. Yeah, because no one wants to have to think about that. Uh, so as a side note, do you know why there are multiple representations of characters in unicode like why can you write e combining accent uh and e plus accent um because it allows representing more um characters than you necessarily would be able to if they were all baked in for one Mm. so like um rather than have a dedicated character for I with a cute accent. Yeah. Right? Uh, maybe that's not even a single code point. Right? Maybe that doesn't exist as a single code point, but there's a language that could use it, and therefore the only way to represent it is with the combining mark. Right. Um, I know that practically, I don't know how much of a reason this is, but practically when you're, when you're typing in mm-hmm. languages that have acute accents, you often will hit the character and then the accent. Right, right. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you wouldn't be able to translate that to a single code point, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think there there are cases where it's useful to keep them separate. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, that's really what I was arguing for. Like, I think the separate method is better. It's like, why would you want a new or like a new character code point for the combined character as like a completely single unit because it seems to make more sense to only do it one way which would be 
you have like these characters, then accent marks and everything else. And then the only way to compose them is with the combining. Yeah, it's a good question. I'm not sure um, why we need both. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. Maybe Michael knows. I'm, I'm sure someone <laughs> out there must know. Right. One thing to note is that uh, these flags um, are really only to enable fast paths in implementation and should not change any externally visible behavior. Uh, and even in cases where they were not set and they could be set, mm-hmm. it just means that it'll go through the slow path and still produce the same result. So these are, are strictly just for, for optimization. Next up, string ergonomics. Yeah, so this section is about filling in API gaps, making string uh, easier to use. We saw a lot of this in Swift 4 uh, with uh, multi-line string literals and the making string a collection again. You know, those were great improvements to making the APIs easier to use. And there's uh, some other suggestions in here on how to how to make this even better. One of uh, one of the things that I like a lot is uh, having character properties. Uh, right now, character is I'm not even that familiar with the character API, but maybe that's because there's not much there right now. Uh, but one thing he suggests is having you know like is white space is alphanumeric um, and other properties like that is new line. Um, so you could have a character and say dot is new line, uh, which could be useful in a lot of situations. Yeah, I think this involves having a lot of the character set level APIs available on character. Right. Now, character set is a foundation type yep. um, backed by CF character set core foundation. And so none of that is compiled into the Swift standard library at the moment, which then brings up the uh, the challenge of, well, if you have a bunch of uh, character set-like operations on character in the Swift standard library, then where does that bring us with character set and foundation? Right. And Michael argues that there's no need to obviate character set because uh, it's independently useful and a useful model when performing whole string operations. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'd be uh, pretty dangerous if, say, due to different implementations, you had different behavior. Uh, for example, determining what is white space on a character uh, and if that were any different on character set. Right. So, Like the Mongolian vowel separator. Something that's on the top of all of our minds. Right. Is that white space or not? We'll never, we'll never know. We'll never know. Yep. Uh, although, given all of this and given the string API's um, adherence to the Unicode standard and like really focusing on being, you know, having full support, uh, full proper support for Unicode, it seems like these character set APIs make sense to be, it, it makes sense to have them be in the standard library as part of all this functionality, but... You mean to move yeah. character set to uh, the standard library? That or just have the standard library provide all of the equivalent functionality. It seems like a natural place for it to live. Perhaps, but doesn't character set then also uh, rely on locale? And so that has, uh, that has add-on effects of like 
mm. needing to bring in other foundation types into the standard library. That is true, right. I guess the, well, I don't know. Our, if locale is an issue, then yes, I agree it should be in foundation. So maybe not the full API of character set, but I guess some of them make sense. Like is white space, is alphanumeric. Right. Although even those like sometimes depend on locale. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure what the solution is there. Uh, but I want to touch on um, the fact that this document brings up regular expressions, or, or rather regexes, yeah. um, that may or may not have a loose relationship to regular expressions in formal language theory. So <laughs> let's call them regexes. Um, as a potential uh, feature of Swift 5, which yeah. was a little surprising for me to read because um, it seems like... Th- if this were added in Swift 5, it'd be cutting it pretty close to the wire. Yeah, uh, although he he does mention that the priority would be just producing a nice new regex API and not necessarily optimizing uh, performance as much as you could and having that follow um, in a later Swift release. So maybe if that concession is made, it could happen. Uh, but I do agree that it does seem pretty tight right and some of the um apis or syntaxes that are that are suggested here um do seem pretty interesting where there could be uh, some swift language bindings so for example if you wanted to capture portions of regex matching groups as swift variables or or variable assignments that you do this in a type safe way which seems absolutely awesome yeah, much better than the um, like stringly typed NS regular expression uh, API. Right, but this is going to take a lot of uh, design iteration, I think, and a lot of Swift evolution discussion. Right. To me, I think that's the bottleneck for not getting into Swift five. Yeah, is everyone agreeing on uh, the syntax and spelling of everything, and and what this is going to look like? Although. Um, I think one of the reasons why this is being brought up uh, in this document is that... Um, it has impact on ABI? Yeah, where uh, the some some sort of exposure to a regex-type engine would need to, to be considered for the ABI uh, interface mm-hmm. in order for a regex-type to be added even at a later time. So um, some... Regex design is probably necessary to stabilize the API. Uh, I wonder if that could be done without providing public API for this right now. Um, maybe getting some of these internals settled, but maybe not. Maybe you, you, you know, they probably inform each other, so it might be difficult. All right, I think that's uh, all we will discuss today. There's still quite a bit more in this document, as well as, you know, more potential um, or some some examples of what this uh, regex API may look like uh, in various forms. Uh, so you should definitely check it out, read through it, um, give your feedback on the mailing lists uh, if you have time. And that's all we have for today. 
So you can find the show uh, on Twitter, Swift underscore Unwrapped. You can find me at Jesse underscore Squires. You can find me at SimJP. If you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes and join us to chat on Spectrum, spectrum.chat slash specfm slash swift-unwrapped. Thanks for listening. <laughs>